Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day Insider from the Dallas Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday. And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference. Guys, can we get the show started? Let's do it. Here we go, sports fans. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hi, David. How are you? Kevin, I'm doing very well. Do you know what I did this morning? David, I'm assuming you're in Oxnard, California, so what did you do this morning? I But before I go to Cowboys training camp to pick up my credential, I went to space with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> You and Jeff, you and Jeff and Mark and, and, and Jeff Wally. and Mark and the Danish teen. Yeah. We had a grand time. <laughs> and Wally Funk. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, had a, I had a friend of mine that said she was just dying to go on one of these. And I said, well, listen, let the first couple blow up when the prices come down, <laughs> then you'll, then it'll be a lot easier to afford it, you know, but I, I, I tell you, I, I, would you I, go, I, would you go if cost wasn't an issue? Well, I mean, I, if it was like a, a plate, like a, a trip to, Uruguay, would you would you pay for that? No, I mean if, if it was really? taking if this thing was listen, I barely even get in an airplane now as it is. <laughs> this is probably why I'm not going to to training camp. Uh, but no, I I don't get the whole idea of I you know this has been my philosophy of life. I don't want to die doing something that was supposed to be fun. Okay, I want to die on my way to work. You know, and on my way to work, not on my way home. You know, that's. That's the way we can I'm make that happen or, or on this podcast or on this podcast. I or think on you've this all podcast. Done that before. If I keel over right in the middle of it, no big deal. Okay. Evan, you would go, wouldn't you? I mean, you would want to stay for more than 10 minutes and 49 seconds. No, I, I mean, if there's not, if uh, listen, really? you wouldn't want to go. There's to not another planet involved um, or furry green men or perhaps a casino somewhere on one of these other planets that I would travel to. No, I don't want to go for a ride very fast. Let's explore this furry green men obsession. You just pointed to. (laughs) We didn't introduce Evan Grant. That's our other, that's our other pal. He's on vacation this week. So he's just joining us for the Rangers uh, section of this podcast. Um, but I just want to point out, David, I've seen alien, I've seen aliens. I've seen all of these shows. Why would I want to go in space and have something jump out of somebody's midsection and then devour me? Why would I want that to happen to me, David? That was one of the, Kevin, I, I don't know. Those are, oh uh, they're not documentaries, Kevin. The, the, those, that's fiction. <laughs> that didn't, that didn't really no. happen. No, I, I've, I've been told that oh. the aliens, the furry green man. Um, in particular, are very nice. <laughs> that's you know, that's never been really an element. Close Encounters was the only one where they were nice aliens. Pretty much every movie that's ever been made is that there is. Oh, E.T. He was sweet. Well, E.T. Okay, all right, two Alf. two movies. E.T. <laughs> that's not a movie. Robin okay. Williams. He was a funny, nice alien. 
<laughs> not a movie. Mork. Once again, not a movie. Mork for Mork. Yeah, you can't take those things seriously. All right, let's move on. Uh, to, <laughs> Why not? To more intelligent discussion here, if there is such a thing. If we're going to talk about the Rangers, it's hard to have an intelligent discussion. Uh, the worst team in the history of baseball uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> they have they have lost three, as, as we tape this, they, they have lost three games in a row, shut out in all three of them, uh, outscored 29 to nothing, which is the worst – since 1906, when the Brooklyn Superbas were out, were shut out, I believe, 31 to nothing in three games. So this is historic. Uh, the Rangers have never been shut out three games in a row. They've done it now, and they're just getting blasted besides. Uh, so it's uh, it's just been an all-around pretty much failure uh, outside of uh, occasional sparkling defensive plays. Yeah, it's, um, it's really hard to watch the Rangers' social media feed and watch them – trump up all these uh all these great defensive plays when the team is down by eight runs um which just kind of goes to show you that defense is a nice thing but it does not win baseball games you better have great pitching you better have great hitting and the rangers have come out of the out of the gates here for the second half with, with neither it's it's been a a really disappointing start to the second half uh I don't know that I would sit here and blame the fact that Joey Gallo and Adolis Garcia were both in the all-star game and that they didn't have a break. Um, those are guys who, who have been thing have been individuals who have functioned well this year. They're the, the number of guys who have not far outweighs them. And, and that is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. There's just no lineup to, to put around these guys. They're, they're constantly, auditioning for number one hitters and number two hitters. And if you don't have guys to get on base at number one and number two, it doesn't, well, you know, if you've got issues with number one and number two, I've always said, see a doctor. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe that whole discussion devolved into Just that. Just led up to that. He, yeah. he'd written it out. It was oh, written in front of him. He was going off script. Talk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it, no, it, I mean, if you've got no, anyway. if you've got no ability to get on base at the, at the top of the order, it doesn't matter how good your power hitters are in the middle. They'll either walk them or get those guys to chase. And in, in the best case scenario, they maybe hit a, a solo home run. So there's just way too many holes in the Rangers lineup. There have been all year. I think Chris Woodward has done everything he can to kind of swap guys around and constantly work for, for some combination that, that works. But, it just it just hasn't it, not on any kind of long term stretch. We're talking about us. What what must be going through Lighter's mind? He he's drafted by this organization, and then and look, I know this is a short term, but I mean this is a first impression. We talk about first impressions all the time. I mean he's got to be his head's got to be reeling a little bit, doesn't it? Going what? Yeah, what is I, you know, I mean, I I think that Jack is right now with his father and probably looking at individual players and saying, okay, this will be a, this will be a part when we, when we get to the big leagues, or that'll be a part when we get to the big leagues. Um, even if Jack Leiter is in the big leagues sometime in 2022, I think this roster is going to be dramatic, dramatically, dramatically different. <laughs> um, I like that dramatically. I think that sounds even better. No, I, even- no, I- it's one word. step up from dramatically. dramatically. I, I think dramatically. dramatically is 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 a word we need to uh, we need to uh, 
invoke in this conversation because they do need some drastic and dramatic changes at, at, at spots all around yeah. the field. Yeah, I like it. All right, so listen, Chris Woodward, after the game uh, last night, uh, once again, he's, he's hinted at this before. He, he did it again. There were two things I thought were notable in, in his comments after the game. One, that he went up and shook Joey Gallo's hand for the two throws he made, throwing out a guy at third, throwing out a guy at home, saving two runs in that game, which, of course, was, you know, only um, made it like they were playing the uh, the Lions instead of the Tigers, a 14 and nothing loss, um, in that – uh, he said, this is a guy that you, you want to build a team around, uh, which seemed to me uh, a message to his bosses that, hey, if you trade this guy, I'm really sunk. Uh, I, I got nothing going for me now if you trade this guy. Secondly, that, uh, you know, jobs are on the line here. Uh, so, so, Evan, if jobs are really on the line, what is what is the, the recourse here? I mean, do the guys in the, on the on the field there know that hey, all right, bring up who you want, but there's nobody ready other than Curtis Terry, uh, the first baseman who's been tearing it up uh, at Round Rock. Who who could they possibly bring up to supplant? Well, you could bring guys? Curtis Terry up to play first base um, on a more regular basis or DH. You could, you know, you could go with some kind of platoon at second base of of Andy Abanez and Eli White and move and, and, and sit in it, select down. And at that point in time, you would probably be determining that's a failure. Um, at shortstop, there's not a whole lot of option to go to. It's just been that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has really let a strong start to this season kind of melt away. I don't know if that's fatigue, if that is the league figuring him out, um, but he's really kind of melted. Things have kind of melted away. If you want to, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Young comes up sometime in August. You know, quite frankly, Charlie Culberson and Brock Holt are simply filling roster spots, and I think Holt's down to to two eleven, and so there's there's not a real pressing need for him. And if you can if you can sell him off even for cash to a contender who could use a veteran guy on the bench, you do that. Um, left field right now, uh, you know. Again, Eli White's hitting under 200. Um, could you bring up Steel Walker? I, I don't know if I'd if I'd be comfortable bringing Steel Walker up just yet. Um, uh, he ha- he certainly hasn't torn it up at Double A. Um, you could bring up Leody Tavares and play him in in center and move Adolis over to left field. Uh, and then you don't know what's going to end up happening with, with with Joey in right field. Whether the Rangers will make a a contract offer that goes somewhere, which I expect that they'll at least try to do here in the next week, or if they will turn their attempts to, to trying to trade them. Um, so the answer, Kevin, is that there's not a lot of attractive options for the Rangers to look at all around the field right now. Um, and this is, this is where they are that kind of, you know, the, the top level of what they have, uh, prospect-wise, was all kind of looked at at the big league level this year. You know, some of those guys like like Solak and Eli White and and all those guys. That's the, that's that in between level between between AAA and the big leagues and their position players. I'm looking at you know I'm looking right now at doing my top twenty prospects for the middle of the season and. There's a few position players in there. A lot of them who have missed significant time this year, like Young and and Huff and Foscue, um, and Tavares had a bad year. 
in, in the major leagues at the start, Evan Carter's hurt. And then you get to the second half of that list of 20 and it's all pitchers. You know, the, there are no position players in my mind that have really, really stepped up this year and had good, solid ma- minor league seasons from start to finish with the exception of, of maybe Curtis Terry. And so to me, that's the thing. It's not we're not just talking about this year. I mean, th- this franchise has been in this position to try to pinpoint who is going to be a part of this going forward for several years, and to have so few players pinpointed at this stage, I, I think is is really an indictment on, on where they are. At this yeah, time. I, you know, this is coming out of the break. Should be a time when when these guys who were who are going to nail down spots are really kind of starting to get it. And, you know, they've played two teams. Uh, Granted, Toronto has played well. Detroit is a team that's building like the Rangers and all that they've proven over the last two weeks in playing Detroit is that the Tigers are well ahead of the Rangers in the rebuilding program. Um, So it has, it has been, it's been a disappointment, um, and, and, and it, it's, it's a reality check for these guys. And I don't know if it's going to make them change their plans on how they approach this offseason, um, but there, there's still a whole lot of holes to be filled here. So if this is the case now with the Rangers, if this is who they're going to be going forward, I'm not going to say they're going to get shut out for the rest of the season. I, I expect they'll score at least two or three runs before the year is over. Uh, <laughs> is that that then – What's the point of re-signing Joey Gallo? What's the point of uh, of you might as well just go to Tank City at this point because I think now you knock twenty twenty three off uh, because this this is they've been their target all along. We want to be really competitive in twenty twenty three. Well, at this rate, how do you make that leap? How do you get well, there? Well, I, I, I still feel like you know if you've got Gallo, um. <clears throat> if you feel like you've got some real pitchers in the minor leagues and listen, everything that Cole Wynn and Cole Reagans and Hans Kraus and AJ Alexei have done this year has kind of reinforced that there is some advanced pitching in, in, in the minor league system. Um, if you go out and you do pursue two free agents, and I think Kevin, the guys that you and I have talked about are one of the shortstops and maybe somebody like, uh, like Noah Syndergaard, um, you can make a, a, a step forward in 22. If you take Gallo out of that mix, um, I do think then you're now looking at like, we're just moving dirt around. You know, we don't have any kind of foundation to even start to build on. And, and so um, that becomes a real, real long-term issue. And you don't go in and sign free agents right now. And you do trade Gallo, but you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a pirate situation. You're looking at a five at, at another four or five years before your your club is really in a position where it can contend. And I, I don't know that this organization can take that. I don't know that this organization can take a complete decade of non competitiveness. No, well, I know that I can't take it. Uh, I don't have a lot of time left, Evan. So uh, <laughs> I can't have the Rangers be that bad that long. All the more so- reason you should go into space. <laughs> <laughs> I say we send the Rangers into space. How about that? Even better. Even better. The the entire franchise into space. I like it. All right. That's going to do it for our Rangers segment today. Uh, Evan's got to run off on his vacation and do fun things now. Uh, And so we we wish him the best uh, as he uh, gets ready to come back on the beat. 
beach. On the beach? On Not the, the beach. beach. I, I will right. be at the pool most of the time. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware. I really like the beach. I just don't like being on the beach because the beach is too sandy. What a weenie you are. That says so are. much about you. Yeah, this is, You this love goes, the beach, but not the actual beach. He's afraid someone will kick sand in his face. It's I'm one of those all for carpeting the beach. Artificial, the concept. The concept. Artificial, the like the turf that the Rangers have, put that on the beach. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Evan. Bye, Evan. And there Bye. he goes, Evan Grant, uh, having fun at the beach, or kind of at the beach. So Evan is out at the beach or kind of at the beach uh, and beach uh, adjacent, I believe. Yeah. And it looks like to me, the sons could be on their way to the beach uh, by this. We're taping this on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night. They're playing the bucks. They're on the brink of, of getting of losing four straight here. Unbelievable collapse uh, by, by Phoenix uh, at this point. Uh, but I will say um, uh, it's interesting to watch this happen and, and watch, what uh, the um, what the Bucks have been able to do defensively, how they've been able to impose their will on on the Suns here, and it's just the old same old thing. Uh, you can't win an NBA title without some defense, uh, which has been the, Ma- the complaint about the Mavericks now for for years that uh, they just don't have enough uh, to get them to that point. Yeah, and um, you know, Jason Kidd when he was introduced in in the press conference. Uh, for the third time, as he said, uh, he's been here as a uh, rookie, uh, broke into the league with the Mavericks, uh, then won a title, came back as a veteran, won a title with the Mavericks, uh, and now will be the head coach. Um, you know, he said, we know we can score the ball. We're going to play some defense around here. And and you've seen the Bucks do that to get back into this series. In fact, uh, you know, back in, you know, two games ago, that signature block that the Greek freak made on that lob, uh, I, you know, that, that illustrates what their, where defensive effort has been. And, and then, um, you know, they won the last game to go up three, two with the defensive play where drew holiday, uh, where, you know, Booker goes in, they trap him and drew holiday, uh, just overpowers him and takes the ball away. And, you know, Booker was holding on pretty well, too. You have to be a strong player. It wasn't just that Booker was off balance and turned and wasn't aware that holiday was there. But Holiday to be that strong to strip him that quickly, where there is not a jump ball, uh, you know, no one really talks about that. But that's a pretty hard thing to do. You have to be an outstanding defender to do that. And so you've seen this defense turn to this point on defense. Uh, I still wouldn't be shocked if Phoenix won tonight. I think you know Aiton's a good defensive player. They they're a good defensive team too. I think. But but the Bucks are just a little more physical, a little better defensively. But now let's. Let's equate that to the Mavericks. When you're talking about Jason Kidd and and Rick Carlisle said the same thing. That was what this whole season was about, right? Becoming a better defensive team. Well, you can only become so good of a defensive team when your top players aren't outstanding defensive players. And that's not to say Luka Doncic doesn't give an effort on defense, that uh, Kristaps Porzingis doesn't give an effort, that Hardaway doesn't give an effort. Um, but they're not above average defenders. Uh, Antetokounmpo is uh, for uh, Milwaukee. Uh, Drew Holiday is. Um, so when you're talking about th- the Mavericks will still have an offensive identity that are going to have to be good enough defensively to challenge for a title. Uh, they're not going to be 
Um, you just can't put a couple of guys around your your core players who are average defensive players and suddenly become a great defensive team. Now, you can play a good team defense, a good concept. You can cover for each other. And, uh, you know, frankly, the one Mavericks title that did that, that's what you saw. Uh, Dirk Nowinski wasn't uh, an outstanding two-way player. Um, now, I, I, you know, I've always thought he was better than Kevin Garnett, but Kevin Garnett was a better two-way player because he was a better defensive player. But, uh, but Dirk was a much better offensive player than Garnett and uh, just had to do enough on the other end. So, you know, it, every player has their strengths and weaknesses. Um, Luca can be a better defender, but he's not going to be your anchor defender. Um, he, you're going to have to cover for him a lot and let him roam and get other really good defensive players in there. And, and that's, and that's what the Mavericks have to balance here going forward. Uh, uh, yes, they need to become better defensively. Um, uh, but it's not about just like, okay, now let's get two really good, uh, defensive guys to put around, uh, our, our two or three man nucleus and, and that'll make us better. It makes you better, but it doesn't really make you a cohesive defensive group. No, it doesn't. And if you look at what the like we were talking about the Bucks and Antetokounmpo and and Drew Holiday are two of their three best players, and they're both terrific defensive players. Uh, and 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 those players are hard to find. You know, it's hard to find a very hard player. Yeah. You know, you can find guys who can play defense, and you can find guys that can play offense. But it's hard to find a guy that, that does both and does it very well because usually you're expending so much energy on offense, like Luca is, and and he can make stops occasionally, and and, and that's what you. Basically, that's what you're asking of of uh, Doncic, and you're asking of uh, Porzingis is that I just need you to make a stop occasionally, you know, when we really need it. And I think that they probably are capable of those things. For me, the question is, do you spend the twenty million to keep Tim Hardaway? Now, I, I had kind of been in favor of that uh, up to now, but they've got it's going to probably cost you that much a season to to keep him uh, against your salary cap. You're going to have only about nine million left if you do that, or do you do you let you know him go? Uh, do you let Tim Hardaway go because he's not a good defensive player? He's a little bit of a sporadic offensive player. There are times when he's really good, and then there's times he just disappears. Uh, and um, you know he really is a much better player now than he was in New York. I don't I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and and he was probably their second best player this year, which tells you how far that Luca carried this team, that he'd be their second best player and they'd still, you know, give a pretty representative effort in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, to me, that's the question is if you, if you've targeted somebody else, apparently they, they were, they were going after Kawhi Leonard. Uh, if, if Kawhi decides he doesn't want to resign with the Clippers, uh, good luck with that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure who else is exactly on their on their target list at this point? To me, it feels like you're just going to have to go back with the same cast and hope that Porzingis, with a with a year to or with an off season, a full off season to recover, get himself in better shape, uh, and be ready to play, and hope that this thing that you put together a couple of years ago is finally going to come to fruition. Because I just don't see another way they can do it. Yeah, with the recognition, if you do that. Um... You could be one year farther down the road and go, you know what? This isn't the right mix. Um, it, you know, it's going to be very difficult because you you do have 
new voices in the room now who, who I believe are going to assert themselves. Jason Kidd's always been willing to assert himself uh, on what he thinks should be done. And you know, the other element, we, we were talking about the defensive element in, uh, you know, in, in the NBA finals that are going on right now. Uh, but what about, you know, what did each of these teams do too? a veteran and Chris Paul came in and plugged into a very young nucleus and, and got them uh, to a plateau much quicker than you would have anticipated that the Phoenix Suns would have done. Uh, Drew Holiday came in and, uh, you know, the Bucks gave up a lot for him, but a, a veteran presence to go with a good young team that hadn't achieved anything. You know, Kidd was that presence in a lot of ways uh, to, to add to Dirk when he came in. Um, oh, that team was different. There, there are more veteran guys on that team who, who understood what the league was about. But, you know, I think if you're the Mavericks, you're sitting there now going, okay, is there a veteran out there that we could bring in that would accelerate and allow us to take the jump that Phoenix has? Because, you know, a year ago, was any, did anyone envision Phoenix being this far ahead of where the Mavericks are? No, I think most people would have put them, uh, Probably on the same plateau, but with uh, the the Mavericks slightly ahead based on on Luca's transcendence. So, um, you know, maybe the Mavericks sit there and go, "Look, you know, we love Hardaway, but is is there a veteran out there that would settle this team down and get us to play with more consistency?" And let's face it, they were not a consistent team last year. And I think that's why you're hearing Kawhi Leonard talk. I think you're saying. You know, there aren't many of those guys out there. Uh, he is one that would fit in. Uh, why Why wouldn't we talk about him? Why wouldn't he want to be a part of this? So I'm not saying that goes anywhere, but I think those are the things you have to look at because uh, I, I think the Mavericks are in danger on being a, on a plateau here for several years. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, it, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch this summer and what's going to end up happening. My guess is probably not very much, and they're going to try to make this thing work one more time with a with a new group around them and and uh, get uh, Jason Kidd to incorporate uh, KP a little bit more into the offense and uh, some more set plays for him, get involved in the pick and roll. He has to be involved in that. So there's some things that are going to be uh, happening here, and uh, but I could see this. At the trade deadline, if things aren't going in the right direction, I could really see some things uh, moving at that point if, if they can. Of course, you know that's that's easier said than done when you're trying to move a contract like yeah, Kristaps uh, exactly. Porzingis. All right, we're going to talk a little bit now about the Cowboys. They're in training camp, uh, or at least that's about to start. David, that's where you are. You're in Oxnard, so uh, tell me here. what's your big theme for this training camp. Well, if you want to take the the macro look, it sounds like you want me to give you. Kevin, yeah, not the micro that. look, the macro. Yeah. Um, stepping back at this going in, um, I would say that this this season's just about hitting the reset button. Um, you know, not to give the Cowboys any excuses, but there are reasons for why last season unfolded the way it did because of, of injuries and um you know, COVID protocols and losing players at, at the timing of when they lost players. Uh, so you can explain last year, but that doesn't make it uh, any more emotionally uh, acceptable for those in the organization. And, and I think there's a sense of, okay, well, all that's wiped away. Now, this is 
this is a year we envisioned like McCarthy would come in and he would make the impact we'd hoped he would have. And, and let's take this thing forward. And, um, you know, that's what it was advertised as, right? I mean, it's uh, Garrett had just hit a ceiling, couldn't get the team uh, any farther. And so let's bring in a, a, a proven Super Bowl winning coach to take that next step. Well, uh, they took several steps back last year, as we said, for um, some some valid reasons. But fans don't really want to hear reasons. They just want to see progress and, and they want to see success, uh, especially for a, a, a story franchise that is 25 years, 26 years removed from a championship. So I, I think this this season is just like, OK. Well, Mike McCarthy, we'll give you a pass on last year somewhat, but we want to see it now. Uh, why were you brought in here? Where are you going to bring to this team? How is it going to be different? And to me, that's the that's the overriding. That's the macro view of what this camp is going in. You know, uh, our impression so far of Mike McCarthy is that he's a little bit hands off, uh, a little bit more of a CEO type and, and will let his uh, assistants run everything, which, you know, Everybody wants that kind of thing. Everybody says that's the best. That's what that's what all of us want, right? We want until our you don't win enough, and then you then it's a failing. Yeah, exactly right. You yeah. know what it, you what what you want is this guy. All right, I'm going to let you do your thing until you start to screw up, and then I'm going to step in here and tell you what you're doing wrong. Uh, and, and that's and that's fine. And and I don't know that that ever happened last year. I don't know that it happened on defense uh, with the the disaster that that became. Uh, and I'm still not sure exactly. How much of that is on personnel, and how much of that is on coaching staff that uh, that could not get these players where they needed to be? Yeah, I mean, you you got the sense that that McCarthy and the staff was reeling last year, and look, you know, a lot, a lot of people on the staff he didn't have a history with either. Um, that was the first time they they had really worked together, and uh, they didn't have the prep time they thought they were going to. They were having to scramble to teach their system. Uh, differently, uh, virtually than they ever had before, uh, and, and so you got the you got the sense that they were reeling and back on their heels. That being said, I mean when you're going into a key division game on the road, starting Ben DiNucci, um, you know because of injuries, I, I think your team's already reeling, and, and and there does there does truthfully become a point where you can talk about next man up. But when your next man up is the third or fourth guy on the depth chart going into uh, an abbreviated training camp last year, um, you know, you're, you're, it's going to show up in the standings. And it did. As I said, this is not to excuse what they did because they made some really bad personnel decisions last year. Basically, their entire free agent class was a bad, uh, you know, decision. So, you know, to me, that's one point. It, is their personnel assessment better this year um they certainly threw a lot of numbers uh, on the defensive side of the ball in this draft and and i think everyone will agree you know good young athletic fast defensive players will upgrade a defense if you selected the right defensive players which, which still remains to be seen so um yeah i think i hate to say it like mccarthy has a lot to prove this year but i mean his Look, every coach has a grace period coming in. Uh, he's completely exhausted his off of what happened last year, even though a lot of it was not his fault and he had no control over it. 
Yeah, I think I wrote that the honeymoon was over in the first half of the first I think game. it was. Yeah. Uh, it was just unbelievable what happened there. You know, I, I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go back to Jimmy Johnson. And, and to me, what was the genius of Jimmy Johnson was that he had no patience for anything. You know, you know, the fact that he would, would would cut a third round draft pick if they didn't work out, you know, you're out of here. And, you know, and, and I just thought that to me, that was genius. That was saying to people that I don't care where we took you. I don't care who you are. Nobody has a grace period here. Everybody is on the clock and, and the clock is ticking now. And, and to me, in football of all sports, that is the one sport you can do that in. And you and you should do that in because it's just what Michael Irvin said the other day about the, you know, the vaccinations is that, you know, if you if you're not vaccinated and you're and you test positive and you miss a game or miss two games because of it, well, then you could cost the team the season if you're the right player, right? And so these these are the things that you have to remember in football is that this whole idea that we're going to take this patrician approach, you know, as, as a head coach, and I'm just going to let these guys kind of sort things out and kind of figure things out on their own, and I'm going to sit back and let stuff happen. I just don't think that there's any – there's just not any time for that in football. No, and it, it, there are some notable exceptions. I mean, a first-round draft pick – Obviously, Dak, if Dak didn't work out with that contract, you're still tied to it. But you're exactly right. E- even though, uh, you know, a, a third or fourth round guy uh, has a four year deal, it's not onerous from a cap standpoint. If he's not working out, move on. And, you know, that's so often you see that even those guys who are not going to be big contributors, uh, you would see them, you would you will see coaching staffs hold on to them because, well, how would it reflect on us? I mean, we took this guy in the third round and now a year later, we're saying we're ready to move on from him. Well, why not? If you're really secure in who you are, if you have other players, if you want to establish that culture, uh, you can argue it's more important for the culture to do that. And and you, like I said, the, the, the cap hit, once you go down on the draft is, is just minimal. Uh, so you, you can do that. And, uh, uh, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and I will say this, um, you know, I think Mike McCarthy showed in Green Bay. Uh, and I think, like I said, I don't know how much to read into last year. I mean, I, I, they had to play everybody on deck, you know, on board last year. But uh, Mike McCarthy has, has a history of playing young players and going to them quickly and getting them incorporated into the team. And uh, there's certainly a lot of young players this year. And and I'll say this very quickly. You know, there are a lot of players last year that I don't think people were that excited about who got a lot of playing experience last year. And now uh, you can see them as nice pieces, maybe not starters, but backups going forward. So in some ways, I, I think their their depth going forward was improved last year. Uh, but but you need your top guys to win in this league and their top guys are at least healthy by and large going into this camp. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can, I hate to say pick up where they left off, but pick up what they thought they were going to be last year is the goal. So Randy Gregory, uh, I have a hard time saying that Randy Gregory, uh, he complained that the, that he was robbed of last year by the previous coaching staff because they were playing Alden Smith instead of him. And, and even if that's true, uh, no one wants to hear Randy Gregory say that after uh, all the games that he's missed. Uh, whether you believe, whether you agree with the uh, the, the league's uh, previous stance on marijuana or not, 
the deal is, you, you know, you got to play by the rules. Uh, and uh, he was not playing by the rules and he got himself uh, eliminated from almost half of the games he potentially could have played in uh, because of suspension and other reasons. So uh, do you think, though, that Randy Gregory is is due for a breakout season? Well, we'll see. I mean, if he plays 14 to 16 games, that would be a breakout season by definition. Yeah. Uh, but 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 he needs to contribute at, at a certain level, too. I mean, there are a lot of, um, you know, the Cowboys have kind of addressed this defense in, in numbers, in, in waves. But but he's one of the guys that's going to need to stand out and actually um, get some pretty good sack numbers for if this defense is going to improve. So, you know, Alden Smith did that early last year and then got diminishing returns as the season went on. So I, I would agree at the end of the season, uh, Randy Gregory uh, appeared to be a more productive player. And even Mike McCarthy at the end of the season, one of the things he said was, uh, you know, looking at his production, uh, we should have played Randy Gregory more late in the season. So uh, the, the head coach has recognized that uh, he's going to get his opportunities uh, this year. Um, but Randy's got to show that he can put together an entire season and make a contribution. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to be watching all this very closely, David. I know you'll be out there on top of it in Oxnard, and we appreciate you uh, uh, going out there and, and subjecting yourself to the whims of California <laughs> uh, weather. Subjecting and all myself that. to 72 degree weather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not hot here. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. We appreciate you coming around and be sure to come and see us next time. And we'll be back. Thanks. Well, that wraps up another episode of Sports Day Insider. Is it over already? Well, Evan, all good things come to an end, I suppose. The show is produced by Jeff Whittington. And presented by the Dallas Morning News. Our theme song is by Dallas's own John Dufalo. Don't forget to follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your quality podcasts. You'll never miss a Sports Day Insider episode, and you'll discover some other great shows. And if you liked what you heard... Please rate the Dallas Morning News feed and give us a review. It helps us reach other sports fans and news junkies. Learn more about this show and other shows at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find special Dallas Morning News subscription rates just for listeners. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here next week.